Before we get into this episode, we have a quick favor to ask you. If you love our show, please scroll down to the review section of your favorite podcast platform and leave us a five-star rating. If you have a few more seconds, please also leave us a review telling us what you like most about our show. We read every single one of these and we appreciate them so much. This will also help us grow and get into the ears of those who love true crime and food as much as you do. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to Extra Cheese by your friends at Dietetics After Dark. Hi, everyone. I'm Becca. And I'm Sarah. And you're listening to Extra Cheese. So a lot has been happening in the meat and alternative meat industries over the past week. Love to see it. I know. It's great. And it's probably more than I've seen in the last couple of months, just in the last week. It's kind of insane. I do know that we have a couple previous episodes where we discuss either cultured or 3D printed meat, but I think it's really important to keep up to date on what's going on here. Totally. And as I said, a lot is going on. Especially as we head into barbecue season. For sure. What a fun time to, to experiment <laughs> with some alternative meats. Definitely. So just first off, as always, some of my sources include a Global News article by Allison Bench and a Bloomberg article by Dina Shanker. Uh, the other sources can all be found on our website at dietheticsafterdark.com. Woohoo. So first off... Allison Bench reports that the digital food and recipe brand called Epicurious will no longer post recipes that contain beef in them. So they're owned by Condé Nast, who 
might sound familiar because they also own the New Yorker, Vogue, Vanity Fair, GQ, and Bon Appetit, mm-hmm. who has had some of their own scandal in the last few years, which yes, they have. we could <laughs> potentially cover in a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe one day. Yes. The reason behind this specific decision is that Epicurious wants to promote more sustainable ways of cooking and eating. The brand was quoted saying, Our shift is solely about sustainability, about not giving airtime to one of the world's worst climate offenders. We think of this decision as not anti-beef, but rather pro-planet. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought it was cool. I can totally get behind that. So it's just, they won't be posting recipes with beef in it. Not, they'll still maybe use fish and poultry and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And the reason behind this, so they mentioned this in in the article, is that 2013 report by the UN came out Mm -hmm. stating that 15% of greenhouse gas emissions may be coming from livestock production and that 61% of that can be linked to beef production. So beef is the big, big offender. But they won't be deleting old beef recipes. They'll Mm -hmm. just no longer promote the older beef-containing recipes, and they won't be creating any new ones. I can totally get behind that. I actually love that initiative. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And I mean, obviously, it has some criticisms, just specifically from the beef industry, industry. (laughs) (laughs) which is not surprising. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think that something needs to change. I think just posting less, they're not removing the beef recipes from their website. There are still thousands of recipes out there. And -hmm. they're not even taking an actively like anti-beef stance. They're Mm -hmm. just saying we're no longer going to post recipes with beef in it. And I think that's a decent step in the right direction because the environmental and human health could benefit from less red meat consumption. Absolutely. I think that we have to be cautious that we don't start shaming beef eating. Yeah, absolutely. That's my only concern around this specific article. Yeah. Was that I feel like it could potentially lead to some... Making people feel bad. Yeah. Especially when it comes to cultural foods and things like that, which is why I think it's important they're not removing the beef recipes from their website. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not taking an an active anti-beef stance, but they're just saying, you know, going forward, we're going to make a solid effort to reduce our beef consumption by not posting recipes. No, for sure. Okay. So next up in the roundup, we have Dina Shanker, who reports that Beyond Meat will have plant-based imitation chicken products available this upcoming summer. So they have been trialing their products at KFC locations as fried chicken. Oh, okay. I saw that. I didn't know it was Beyond Meat though. Yeah. They'll be relaunching this like once it gets all the approval, likely this summer or like early in the fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's kind of exciting. That is exciting. I would absolutely try some Beyond Chicken. I would too. And they're also launching a reformulation of their classic burger this week. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it has an improved nutritional value profile. Okay. And I guess they've improved the flavor a little bit. More protein? Do you know? I'm not 100% sure, but Mm. it comes out, I think, May 3rd is what the date said. So we'll likely have some more information then. Oh my gosh, that's tomorrow, is it not? Nope, that's nope. Monday. What day is it? <laughs> it's the first. <laughs> Technically, I guess it would be tomorrow when this episode comes out. Oh yeah, no, it would be today when this episode comes out. Wait, what day is it? It's Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so Monday's the third. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a time warp. What is time? <laughs> Life <Anyways>. in Ontario. <laughs> that's cool though. I 
I will absolutely try. Uh, yeah, I've tried the OG, the original, mm-hmm. and it is really good. Yeah. Okay. Another one, Just Eat, which is a California cultured food company that just received that approval to start producing and selling cultured meat in Singapore. So they just revealed that they will launch their plant-based egg product in Europe by the end of this year. Hmm. So it's called Just Egg, and it's plant-based, so it's made from mung beans. I'm skeptical. (laughs) Yeah, and I was actually surprised to find out that this product already available in Canada. The Just Egg one or a similar yeah. one? Just oh, egg. interesting. Huh. Yeah, have you, I'm guessing you haven't seen it in stores. I ha- so I've seen like the vegan egg versions, mm-hmm. but I have not tried one. And to be honest, the ones that I've seen do not look convincing or even that appetizing. <laughs> they yeah. look like chickpea pancake almost kind of vibe. Yeah, no, for sure. This one comes in a, like a jar and it's supposed to be scrambled. So it's just like a yellowish liquid, mm-hmm. viscous liquid. But I'm going to see if I can find it on my next grocery shop because I am curious to to try it as long as it's not really expensive. For sure. I'm curious to try it. I'm also really curious about its ability to be used in baking. Ooh, good question. We'll do a little investigation. Yeah, we will. Yeah, I don't know. Eggs are just such a unique, interesting food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's... But they're so... Um, well, they're nutritionally pretty dang good, but also mm-hmm. just like they're different baking properties. You can fry them, you can poach them, you can scramble them, you can make an omelet, you can use them in baking. Like they're so cool. Yeah. And I just don't know how we would be able to make something that could do everything that an egg does. Like coagulate? Is that the right word? Yeah, I say coagulate. Coagulate. So one, one of, of us, us is saying it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Coagulation. Is that how you say it? That's how I say it. There's so many, there are so many science words that I'm always like, well, that's how I say it, but I don't know if I'm saying it right. There's also a couple of regular words. Yeah, I know. Leather. (laughs) I forget yours. Spiral. I just remembered. (laughs) Spiral. Um, And anthropometry. Anthropometry. I never know how to say that one. Yeah, there are some weird words out there. And coagulate. (laughs) Or how do you say it? Coagulate. Coagulate is one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's move on to our next news story. (laughs) This one I actually found really interesting. So Impossible Foods just launched a pretty controversial campaign. And the campaign is called We Are Meat. And I watched two of the commercials, and both of them reference the products as being meat multiple times, like in both of the commercials. This is lab-grown, right? No, this is, so it's impossible meat, so it's plant-based. Oh. So it's similar to Beyond Meat in the yeah. the type of product that they produce. Okay. But yeah, in this these advertisements, they are referring to these like juicy, meaty burgers as being meat. And then at the very end, you find out that they're not meat at all, that they're plant-based hmm. burgers. Okay. Um, so they're clearly targeting like meat lovers and I guess not really pre-existing plant-based alternative eaters because I feel like that initial image of like sizzling meat like and them referring to it as meat is probably going to turn off most vegetarians or vegans right but this kind of raises the question can they call themselves meat even if it's supposed to be kind of a joke like they're just trying to reel meat eaters in can they call themselves meat because that's basically what they're doing 
Oh my goodness. This is such a tough question. I feel like it's an ethical question too, but I just think like if for, for regulation purposes, I don't think they should call themselves meat because they have totally different like safety properties and, and preparation properties and storage properties and things like that mm-hmm. for advertising. I don't really feel very strongly, but if they were to call themselves like impossible meat or like meat with an asterisk, like I don't really mind if they use the word meat in their advertising or marketing campaigns mm-hmm. personally, but also like you're a plant-based meat alternative company. I don't know if you want to be meat. You're trying to like separate yourself from everything that is meat, like the environmental impacts, the ethical impacts, things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it kind of blurs the lines. And I almost wonder if that's part of it. They're trying to reinvent meat. That's I think you're right. Thought. And they are trying to re- reach that target audience that would be more apprehensive to trying an alternative meat. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. And part of the part of the issue is that, I mean, most food products, they have those legal definitions, but we are in this like new era of plant-based alternatives where the labeling regulations and legislation, they're still catching up, right? Yeah. And I, I do know we actually, I think, briefly discussed this in the extra cheese episode. I don't know if it was 3D printed yep. meat, but yeah, it seems to be happening quite a bit because, I mean, with Impossible Foods, it's happening with their marketing, but Beyond Meat is quite literally called Beyond Meat. And I understand Mm -hmm. that the intention is that it's supposed to be Beyond Meat, but still has the word meat in there. Yeah. I just, I don't, if it has the word meat in there, I think it has to be clear that it's not, like if there was a meat alternative, Mm -hmm. a beef alternative, let's say, and it was labeled just ground beef, I think that would be a problem. When, if there was no other identifier. How about the just egg product? I just mentioned, because it's literally called just egg. And it is not just egg. It's mung beans. It's mung beans. <laughs> um, I think it would it would always have to be called just egg, inst- like as the entire word, not just, not just egg. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. It does get tricky. It does. It really does get tricky. And I don't think that we'll figure this out in our... 20-minute conversation. No. <laughs> but it will be really interesting just to kind of see what what does happen here with legislation and regulation because these companies that might be labeling their products as egg or meat might face some legal issues if like policies and stuff kind of catch up to it. Totally. I was mm-hmm. just thinking, I think it would be super fun if every milk alternative, egg alternative, and meat alternative had to just like invent a new word. Like a new word that's not a word anywhere. <laughs> and then it just became part of our lexicon. Wouldn't yeah. that be cool? I think that would be cool. That would be a great contest. I don't have any ideas right now. It'd be like coagulator. Coagulator. Yeah. No, it has to be a nice little simple one like beef, egg, meat, like a one syllable. Coag. That could work. <laughs> I don't know, but that Maybe could be fun. Something. Cool contest. Okay. And then this is my last update. Mm. And this might be the coolest one as far as I'm concerned. So the Israeli company called Biomilk just went public. So they produce real cow and human milk from cultured oh, cells. Oh my gosh. Cool. So they're now the first publicly traded cell-based milk company in the world. And they're planning to release samples in the next two years or so. But this would be huge wow. for potentially for uh, vegetarian milk. milk drinkers and yeah, possibly for infants. 
I am most excited about the possibility of breast milk. Yeah, same. Like nutritionally perfect breast milk for mothers who are unable to breastfeed. Absolutely. I think it would be so cool if that hit the market. And like depending on its, obviously it would have to meet certain nutrient requirements Mm -hmm. and it would have to be accessible to mothers or individuals out there, but it could seriously disrupt the infant formula industry. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, that is cool. I've never heard of biomilk. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. And this got me thinking because I did our last assignment for the Mm -hmm. master's program on cultured meat. And in one of my readings, I think I mentioned this to you, but they talk about how in the future, hopefully the far, far, far away future, how ethical cannibalism might be a thing. And this kind of started making me think about it because if we're creating human milk from cultured cells, what if we started creating like human meat? No. (laughs) No, I'm not entertaining this idea. I'm so opposed. I, I feel such a strong no to that. Yeah. And I did too. And then I started thinking like, it would be kind of gross to eat somebody else's meat. (laughs) But what about your own? Me? Like, oh my God, self can't? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. This is too much for Saturday morning. (laughs) (laughs) I also am a hard no, but I just really wanted to see your reaction because this is something that is being discussed. Not seriously as of yet, But we're already talking about human milk being cultured. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's just going to take one twisted mind to be like, oh, let me culture this cell from my arm. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is such a like it it is really brings up some interesting ethical questions, because would I try human milk? Yeah, I don't feel as strongly. I don't know if I I wouldn't drink it every day. But Mm -hmm. if someone was like, here, try this, I don't think I would be like opposed to trying it. Mm -hmm. And I do eat meat and poultry, animal meat, like beef, Mm -hmm. in my regular life. So then why is it such a hard no for human meat? I just, I I can't. But it's it's some interesting ethical questions that I don't have the answer for, except for no right now. (laughs) Your answer is no. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So that's it for the roundup. That was a great roundup. Was it? Good. Okay. I'm glad you enjoyed mm-hmm. that. But then we also have, I guess, our new segment. So we mm-hmm. previously asked listeners to share their interesting or unusual food stories with us. Mm-hmm. And so we have decided to, I guess, make this kind of a new segment in our extra cheese episodes. So two weeks ago, you'll remember that we discussed pine mouth. And today we have our very own Kylie Gonzalez or dishing it on Instagram. (laughs) And she reached out with her very own weird food story. So let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay, so I had a weird thing with sweet potato. When I was younger and even in high school, whenever I would eat them, I would either get really nauseous or even sick from them. And then a couple years ago in like 2019, I was at a barbecue and there wasn't too many options for me because I don't eat meat or anything like that. And there were sweet potatoes there. And so I was kind of forced to have them otherwise just to starve for the night. And I ate them and I was totally fine. And ever since I've been able to tolerate sweet potatoes with no issues. So it's pretty weird to me and I'd love to know more about it. 
Oh, thanks, Kylie. She's so cute. (laughs) So what could it be? Did you investigate? Yes. So I did do some digging into this, and there are a few potential explanations as to what may have happened here. Um, So obviously there's likely many other explanations that I didn't find in my research, but this is kind of what I was able to come up with. So first, it's possible that a sweet potato with some type of pathogen led to food poisoning at some point, and Mm. a brief aversion was developed to it, because this does happen quite a bit. So aversions are mainly psychological in that they're an association of disgust or dislike with a certain thing due to its like sensory characteristics, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they can result in like a physical reaction to a certain food or item. Hmm. So aversions can change over time if you begin to associate something positive with the food. And aversion therapy is even used as a classical conditioning method in psychology that pairs two stimuli together to create a desired response. And usually this response is negative, but aversions can change over time if positive experiences are associated with the food, item, or event. Interesting. So someone might do aversion therapy to like quit smoking. Yes. Quit cool. smoking. Um, it's often used also in alcohol. Oh, with yeah. alcohol. Alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. So it has some really, I guess, good reasons, sources. So possibly the first time Kylie had a sweet potato, she got some sort of like maybe a lower level of food poisoning and she just associated from then on that sweet potato made her nauseous. And therefore, when she had sweet potato, she felt nauseous. For sure. And also aversions could be caused too, I think, with something associated with the food that you're eating at the same time. Oh, right. So I also wonder too, because she mentioned that she doesn't eat meat. I wonder Mm -hmm. if maybe she ever ate meat with sweet potato fries or something like that Mm. and maybe developed an aversion just to the two of them. That's interesting how you might not even know. Like you Mm -hmm. might not... Like when you're thinking back, you might not pinpoint like, oh, there was that time I had sweet potatoes and then I had food poisoning. Like it could just be a related food in the hours after you had something that had food poisoning and that food was the one you developed the aversion with. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. So cool. Do you have any food aversions? Um, I have foods that I don't really love and I don't know if I'd classify it as an aversion, but like Sometimes I can eat shrimp and I think it tastes okay. And sometimes it grosses me out more than anything. Same with eggs. Like, I'll, it's like I'll, I'll eat <laughs> eggs like four days in a row. And then one day I'll just be having eggs and I'll be like, these are gross. Mm-hmm. Um, avocado with oh, yeah, the strings <laughs> in it. Like sometimes I love avocado and then sometimes I'll have it and it'll be stringy and I'll be like, I'm done with avocados for six months. But that's more of a texture thing, right? I know, but yeah, yeah. So nothing, no, nothing causes me to feel physically ill after eating it. But there are things that I just like, I'll put them in my mouth and I'll be like, I'm not swallowing this. (laughs) This is not (laughs) happening. It's so gross. What about you? I have two that like come to mind immediately. So my first one is tequila. Oh, even <laughs> okay. Thinking, I might be averse to that too. <laughs> <laughs> but even like thinking about tequila for too long, we were going to have to change the topic pretty soon. Yeah, it's um, gross. Because my mouth fills with saliva and I could, <laughs> if I thought about tequila hard enough right now, I could probably make myself gag. Okay, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> but I relate. Um, but the other one, and this one's more of a texture thing too, and it's already giving me shivers, um, cornstarch. I can't oh my gosh. stand what? the feeling of cornstarch. Like 
raw (laughs) or like when something's battered with it? No, it's not like when it's mixed in, but when you have cornstarch and you're going in to take your like teaspoon scoop or tablespoon (laughs) scoop, it makes kind of like a cottony squishy noise and it gives me chills up my spine. That is such a bizarre one. I like I guess that one. it is weird. But. It's creative. I've never, I would have never, <laughs> I use cornstarch pretty often too. I try to get creative with my versions. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. And then a second potential explanation is that these feelings of like bloating, I mean, potentially constipation and like associated nausea, mm-hmm. those might be a result of increased fiber in the diet. So Mm. we all need fiber, but adding too much into the diet without easing it in or without consuming enough water with it, it does actually have the potential to make you feel a little bit ill. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, so one last potential reason for feeling nauseous after consuming a sweet potato is a mannitol sensitivity, Oh, which I hadn't heard of before. Okay, so mannitol is a naturally occurring sugar or polyol that can be found in sweet potato, asparagus, pineapple, and olives, as well as a couple other things. But it's also extracted and added to some products as a sweetener. So some people have difficulty just digesting it as it does tend to linger in the digestive tract for a little bit longer than most other sugars. So this means that it might start to break down or ferment in the intestines, leading to like bloating, upset stomach, and potentially diarrhea. So interesting. I can't really explain why the nausea or sickness may have stopped, but I guess it's possible that the sensitivity may be like dissipated or like a higher tolerance was developed. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like maybe if you try it a couple times, your body just gets more accustomed to it or something like that. Mm-hmm. That is very cool. So three options for you, Kylie. Yeah, you let us know which one you think it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Awesome. If you have like a weird or interesting food story that you'd like to share on the podcast, email us at dietheticsafterdark at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, we would. All right. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Oh, on cue. Thank you for listening to this episode of Extra Cheese. You can find all the references in our show notes at dieteticsafterdark.com. This is an independently produced podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe to our show. And if you have an interesting food story and you'd like to ask us some nutrition questions and be featured on the podcast, email us at dieteticsafterdark at gmail.com. To stay up to date with Dietetics After Dark, follow us on Instagram at Dietetics After Dark or on Twitter at It's The Dad Pod. This podcast is recorded and edited by Earworm Radio. We highly recommend their services for all your podcasting needs. Learn more about Earworm Radio at earwormradio.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.